It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What are some of the main takeaways from Panthers-Jets joint practices? We'll talk about it right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, over on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Fridays throughout the offseason, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter to get those questions into me. Now, today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code LOCKEDON to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. The Panthers and Jets were slated for two days of joint practices, but because it's pouring raining here in the Carolinas on Thursday, they only had one day of joint practices on Wednesday where things got a little intense, but also a lot of work was done. We'll talk to Josh Klein of the Riot Report here momentarily as he'll give us his takeaways to what went on at joint practices. Also, the growing injury list in Carolina. How concerned should we be? And the unofficial depth chart is out. How officially should we take some of that? what's up there? We'll talk about all that here in just a moment here with Josh Klein here on Lockdown Panthers. Welcome in Josh Klein of the Riot Report. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. He is the editor-in-chief of the Riot Report and does a fantastic job also a native son here of the beautiful Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. And he was down there in Spartanburg facing the heat and there before a 10,000-person crowd for joint practices with the Jets and the Panthers. Josh, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I, I, I literally, I have been, I covered, started covering the team in 2017, but obviously, you know, I've, I grew up here in the Carolinas, so I've been at training camp. Uh, a ton of times over the past two decades and I've literally never seen a crowd like I saw yesterday. Um, I, I mean, the Hill was basically packed. Like I, I, there's a video on the Roaring Ride Instagram. If you look walking along that end zone path, if you've ever been to Spartanburg where you could basically walk over to that second field and you could just be standing by yourself. And now there it's two, three rows deep yesterday. So um, just a ton of Panthers fans, ton of Jets fans out there. Uh, Roaring Ride had a bus that, that went down. Um, a lot of PSL holders. So um, kudos to Panthers fans for showing up there on Wednesday. And then uh, I know there were a lot of Roaring Riot members that were disappointed this morning when the bus turned around on a I-85 as they canceled practice. But um, mm. I- I- I'm excited to see how this continues to grow with this new era of the Carolina Panthers. 
Yeah, and that's honestly so cool to see that much excitement for a practice in the middle of the week when it's still hot as all get out in August down there in Spartanburg, which is a yearly trend. But it seems like it's been so bad this year throughout the Carolinas, really the country as far as the heat goes. Do you attribute like that crowd to the fact that it's the Jets and the hard knocks and all of that hype around that? Or really, is it just people are just so sold on this coaching staff and Bryce Young in this, what you said, new era of Carolina Panthers football? I think it's a combination. I mean, I think, you know, out of those 10,000, you could probably chalk up two or 3,000 of them to gang green, maybe uh, another another couple hundred to Aaron Rodgers in general. I saw some cheese heads out in the crowd, which I was – at first I was like, what's happening? What the, – the Jets are here and they're cheese heads. And I was like, oh, yeah, because Aaron Rodgers used to play for the pack. Yeah. I get it now. Um, but at first I was very confused. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's a combination of all those things. The joint practices are always going to be a little bit more – uh, busy in terms of crowd, but just they're also like more fun to go and watch. There's more more to see. Uh, you can really get a feel for how this team is, where this team is at um, at, at this stage in their development, at this stage in training camp. When you see them go up against uh, other people, I mean, yeah. this is the first time that Bryce Young has seen uh, an edge rusher other than Brian Burns trying to do, uh, you know, spin moves, or this is the first time that he's felt interior pressure that wasn't Derek Brown or Marquand McCall. And it's a completely different feel, not to mention the Jets also run a completely different defensive front. So it has a lot of, there's a, there's just a lot different for these Panthers players and schemes and coaching staff to be able to measure themselves against. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, coaches say it all the time. They get way more done during joint practices that in a controlled environment than they're going to get on Saturday at Bank of America Stadium. Not telling people to not go. If that's your opportunity to go to a Panthers game, go out there, enjoy the time. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday. Like Enjoy it. But I feel like you probably got a lot more as far as getting to actually see Aaron Rodgers and some of the Jets starters. I understand some guys like Sauce Gardner were not out there, Garrett Wilson. And of course, Panthers had some other injuries as well. And we'll get to that here later on the show. But you probably got a lot more at a joint practices on Wednesday in Spartanburg than you're going to get in the overpriced three hours that they're going to charge you there on Saturday afternoon against Jets. But hey, if you're going to take your family, enjoy it, have a great time. But you talk about this is where you get to see where the team's at right now. Looking at Bryce Young and at offense yesterday, where are they at? Yeah, I mean, just speaking to your point, like just to add on to that, the, the Panthers, one of the first 11 on 11 drills that they were doing was they were running, uh, they, they would go, if they went three and out, they would just run it back to first down. So it wasn't really an issue where uh, if if on the field on Saturday, if Bryce Young goes three and out in that first series, he's, he might not be coming back out. But uh, when you're on the field, practice field in Spartanburg, you get the opportunity to do it. And I think that at the beginning of the, the practice session, so they basically had them split up, right? One field mm -hmm. was Panthers offense versus Jets defense. The other field was Jets offense versus the Panthers defense. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I stayed on that offensive side of the field because – I know what Aaron Rodgers looks like. I have a general yeah. idea of how he's going to do against our uh, against the Panthers defense. Um, and you, you saw it uh, in terms of what people reported, what Mike Kay and Joe Person and people that were watching on that side of the field. Uh, the reality is, is that they um, uh, the the defense, Aaron Rodgers didn't have trouble completing passes, especially early in the session. But ultimately, the defense kind of stiffened uh, and was able to make stops when they needed to. In terms of the offensive side of the field, what I really wanted to see was Bryce Young, whether he looked the part. You know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of these things with the rookies, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to make bad reads. Ultimately, I think that he looked really poised. Uh, there were multiple times where the pocket was collapsing. He was able to move around inside that pocket, show that pocket presence that he kind of 
was not famous for at Alabama, but he was able to utilize with his shorter stature. He showed a lot of that uh, on Wednesday in Spartanburg, moving around the pocket, finding guys downfield, taking the checkdowns when he had to, just using that kind of cerebral understanding where he is in the field, uh, especially as he got more and more comfortable. So I thought it was really encouraging to see what Bryce Young could do. Yeah, there were some mistakes. Uh, there were some times when he kind of maybe bailed out a little bit early when yeah. uh, when he tried to check it down and he missed some guys. But ultimately, that's going to happen. Uh, I, I I was you look for the the kind of the flashes. And there was a throw down the field to DJ Shark that was uh, very impressive. There was a throw over the middle where he put it into a tight window to Jonathan Mingo. Really made a big difference. So I, I think that when I'm when I was watching Bryce Young, that was what I was impressed by was his ability to keep calm, keep poised keep his cool. I think we all knew that that was something that he was advertised that he was able to do, but to be able to see it, I I thought was impressive. I think the two guys outside of Bryce Young, I was interested to see what they could do during joint practices were Jonathan Mingo, uh, the second round pick out of Ole Miss, who's a fellow rookie with uh, Bryce Young, and then Cade Mays, who was sliding at right guard and looking at the unofficial depth chart. He's still there at right guard. Looking at those two guys, and Mingo, speaking of the unofficial depth chart, is ahead of LaVisca Chenault and Terrace Marshall. I don't think necessarily that should be surprising considering that this staff in particular loved him throughout his interviews and they're the ones who picked him, whereas they're inheriting Terrace Marshall and LaVishka Chenault. But your overall assessment on how Mingo looked as it sounded like he had a good day and then Cade May stepping in there against what is a tremendous defensive line, especially interior for the New York Jets. Well, the first things first, I, I can't hear you say the words death chart without uh, pointing out that these unofficial death charts, the coaches don't make them. The, the PR staff creates them. They wave them by the coach and say, does this look okay? And then they put them on the website and everybody freaks out about who's in third string and who's second string and who's the kick returner. And the word or apparently Adam Schefter has never heard it. Um, I, well, that's I think more of that, a college thing. I'll give him credit. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll give him some grace because you see that way more of college than you see in the NFL. It was on the Panthers depth chart last year. Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, the first one that came out. That was the only change that the coaches requested. I guess I'm just used to Jim Harbaugh just being like every position is an or. Like college is like. Right, exactly. It's, it's a state secret in college. In the NFL, things are far more public. But yeah, go ahead. What if you have a college coach as your NFL coach? Is that Then they still like the state secrets. But um, I, I think that uh, – okay, so let's let's start with, uh, with Mingo, right? So Please. Mingo has had an up-and-down camp. I, I don't think that's a surprise. He's a second round pick. He's a rookie. Um, he's also a wide receiver. So, you know, there's, there are times when he may not be getting the ball. He may be open, but not getting looks like there, there are things that he's been doing, but I think ultimately when you see the ups, they've been outweighing the downs. And uh, it was uh, Frank Reich called it an important day for, um, for Bryce and for Jonathan Mingo to have like kind of show off a little bit of that connection. And I do think there's a little bit of that there. Uh, ultimately, in my mind, I think that Mingo is going to take a little bit of time to, um, to, to get to where he's going to be. I wouldn't expect him to be Justin Jefferson. I mean, obviously, but I wouldn't expect him to have, you know, 90 receptions, a thousand yards. I, I think this is a guy that's going to have, he's going to have really good games and he's mm -hmm. going to have plays where you say, oh, that's, that's why they brought him in here. But I think he's going to come along slowly. He certainly, he, he has the, he has the right body type. He looks like an NFL wide receiver. And so much of this for me, and maybe this is the wrong way to look at it, but so much of this for me, mini camp, training camp, all this stuff, especially for these rookies, some of them you can tell right off the bat that you're like, oh, that guy, I don't see it. And yeah. Jonathan Mingo, he looks the part. He looks like an NFL wide receiver. Now, just because they look the part 
uh, as David Geddes can tell you, that doesn't mean they're going to make it. But yeah. I, I think that, uh, sorry, David, if you're listening, but um, I, I think that uh, I, that that's the first part to me is they have to look like they could be an NFL wide receiver and then, uh, and then progress forward. So I think that's what we're seeing from Jonathan Mingo uh, in terms of Cade Mays. Um, they were rotating in Justin McCray at that right guard spot yesterday a lot. So okay. um, I think that right guard spot is going to be a little bit of trouble for this Carolina Panthers offensive line. Yes, they were having trouble handling the, the Jets defensive front. Jets have one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. That's not a surprise. So no. it's not really a huge shock that Quinnen Williams is able to handle Justin McCray uh, or Cade Mays or whoever they throw out there at right guard. But the reality is, is that right guard spot is going to be a uh, a spot where defenses defensive lines attack and they try to focus their attack. Whether it's uh, whether it's Cade Mays, whether it's Justin McCray, whether it's Nash Jensen, undrafted free agent who didn't practice yesterday but the team really likes. So it seems like those are the three guys in line to replace um, uh, in line to replace Austin, Austin Corbett. Corbett. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I had a little blank there. And also, I mean, a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Chandler Zavala and whether he could kick over to left guard. I think he would be a better fit at left guard eventually down the road. Doesn't mean he couldn't take over at right guard while they wait for Corbett. But realistically, he hasn't practiced, so he's been battling these injuries. He he, without practicing, I would feel very hesitant about throwing a fourth round pick out there as your starting right guard for week one uh, when you head yeah. down to Atlanta. Yeah, I see that Corbett was out there yesterday. I mean, I'm working on the side, still in the pup. And if he's not off by uh, the season starts, he's going to be at least out for the next, the first four games of the season. So that's something to look out for as, as you, from your, uh, what you're saying. Looks like that position group or that position is still in flux uh, throughout preseason training camp. That's about to wrap up. All right, Josh, get into uh, more takeaways from uh, joint practices. Look at some of the injuries that are going on and get into that unofficial depth chart and what matters and what actually doesn't matter here in a few moments during Lockdown Panthers. Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for best ball. August is here, and you know what that means. The official start of fantasy football drafting month. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball and underdog fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every single week. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so please... I understand July's already passed, but do not wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so the Carolina Panthers have an unofficial depth chart, but I don't really know how much you should really take into it, as we talked about just a moment ago, where Jonathan Mingo, okay, the Panthers coaching staff, they drafted them second overall. They're inheriting Terrace Marshall, who looked good in the second half of last season, considering, well, we didn't really see him for the first about two years as a Carolina Panther, whether it was being a healthy scratch, 
not being healthy, not performing to the level that he needed to perform to, at least was expected of him when they took him in the second round in 2021 to where he looked like a solid Considering the options, number two to DJ Moore in the second half of the season. But John Domingo so far up and down camp, as you stated, and had a good day on Wednesday against the Jets, which is positive going to the season where we should expect, like with Bryce Young, the rookie growing pains, but to probably a far greater extent than we would hope to see out of Bryce Young at the quarterback spot for Carolina. Then Cade May stepping in there at right guard where – could be Just McCray, could potentially be Chandler Zavala, could maybe even be Brady Christensen, I could think. They want to move him at right guard or Nash Jensen, undrafted free agent out of North Dakota State, as you mentioned. Some other things that I saw just look, when looking at it, I mean, Stephon Sullivan, Gio Ritchie, if the Panthers take four tight ends, I thought going into it, Gio Ritchie would be the guy. I, I, have you seen any sort of discernible difference between those guys that would actually um, agree with Sullivan being ahead of Ritchie on the depth chart? So Richie kind of made that transition from tight end into fullback last year. They changed his number. Uh, and I think that was, that was, uh, that was because Ben McAdoo likes having a fullback on his roster. He likes utilizing the fullback. Not really sure how much Frank Reich wants to do that. So I think that um, I, I, to me, I, I think that Richie and Sullivan, it's just depending on what kind of skill set they're looking for. And realistically, as it all comes down to with these last like eight guys on the roster, 10 guys on the roster, it's all about who can perform on special teams. So Tabor has been there for a while. So I, uh, I think that they're, that's going to be uh, a big part of whether or not who makes the team, whether it's Stephon Sullivan uh, or whether it's Gio Ritchie. I, I do think Sullivan at the, I, I have not been to every day of camp, um, but at the one that I have been at specifically yesterday, Sullivan made a couple of plays. So I do think that he could be, um, somebody that they look at as, especially like this tight end position, this tight end group, I think is pretty wide open after Hayden Hurst. I don't think that they are beholden to Ian Thomas or Tommy Trumbull. Uh, okay. So if Stephon Sullivan outperforms one of those guys, could be the case too. I don't think he has thus far, but if he does, I, I don't necessarily think that those guys uh, own the second and third spot on that depth chart. Okay, and I had read that Hayden Hurst kind of set the tone out there on Wednesday with his physicality. And that's one thing that, uh, we had heard coming into Carolina this year that Hurst is not just a pass catching tight end, but that guy can also help you in the run game. And it means the guys like Tommy Trimble and Ian Thomas and Stephon Sullivan and Gio Ritchie, they're going to have to show a little bit more than just, hey, can you just catch the ball or can you just block? Can you can you do both? And that's, I think, where we certainly help one of those guys um, differentiate himself from the others as they try to make that roster. I mean, I feel like maybe four is a number, but we'll see what it looks like. Uh, Mark McCall, a dude who earned his way under the roster last year and as a holdover, they've cut guys like Bravion Roy, some other players that they didn't feel like fit with them. John, John Pinacini couldn't um, get healthy. He could have had an opportunity to make this roster. Mark McCall, he's still out there. And unofficially, he's a starting nose tackle. Uh, does that kind of jive with uh, what you've seen and what you've heard? Should we make it official right here on the Locked On Panthers podcast? Because I know yes, it's not we should. Depth chart, but uh, to me, it's like. Marquan McCall has to be the answer at nose tackle. I mean, not only Love has it. he, I, I thought he played well enough last year and yes. uh, you know, it's a new, it's a new scheme. So he's going to be playing a zero a lot more than he played one or three that he was, wasn't really playing a lot of three, but whatever. The point is, is that he yes. is, he's a big dude. And I don't know whether they asked him to put on weight or whether he just ha has kind of achieved his peak glory. But I think that Marquan McCall is somebody that is going to occupy space. I mean, realistically, that's what these guys do, whether it's Dontari Poe, whether it's, uh, you know, big guys that are in the middle playing that zero. You're not looking necessarily for them to get to the quarterback, not even really looking for them to make a tackle. You're looking for them to occupy two blockers and uh, and hold their spot. And I think Marquan McCall is someone that has shown that he can do that. 
And certainly throughout this camp, he's, he's shown it. So I think he's earned that spot as a starting nose tackle. And I would be, uh, I would be surprised if it's anybody but him when it comes to week one. Here's a criticism people would have of nose tackles that they're, uh, they're light in the ass. That ain't the case of Mark Hall McCall. No, so no. happy, he's, uh, happy. To, he's a big ahead. boy. He's a big boy. Happy to hear that for him because he's a guy who really stood out last training camp, made the roster, and like you said, made an impact. And it seemed like a no-brainer that that guy should have an opportunity to make this roster again this year and to see that he's followed up on last season and is still out there making plays. Uh, good for him and also just good for the Panthers that had to go out there, add some other defensive uh, linemen in this new 3-4 scheme throughout the offseason that they were able to inherit uh, two solid guys in, in um, Mark Hall McCall and, of course, Derek Brown who could be a star this year in Carolina, seeing YGM, Itor Grossmatos, apparently, according to, I guess, the PR staff, is the backup to Brian Burns right now. Justin Houston was signed on Sunday. The money that they're giving him, $6 million, up to $7 million incentives, leads people to believe that he would be the starter. Now, I would imagine that him and Marquise Haynes, who I was talking to Mike K on the show the other day, he feels like they're pretty interchangeable as far as like they certainly complement each other, that those guys will be mixing it up a lot with Brian on the other side, where YGM came out on Sunday was saying, hey, there's fans out there saying how, oh, we need a new edge rusher that I'm not good enough. Well, the team went out there and pretty much said the same thing by saying that, hey, let's go get a veteran. And I think it helps DJ Johnson, the third-round pick out of Oregon, who's going to be 25 this year and is certainly a project. And from everything I've heard so far, is not really flashed at all down during training camp in Spartanburg. We'll see what he does on Saturday against the Jets, especially against second-teamers. But it allows him now to kind of sit back and not be thrown into the fire right away where Brian Burns has helped with having a veteran who can – help him on the other side just be a threat after nine and a half sacks last season, but also, you know, kind of show him some tricks of the trade because Brian's still a young guy learning things. It helps him more. I think it helps potentially Amari Barna who could be on the outs now, but it helps him learn a little bit right now. And it can help Marquis Haynes who's dealing with the back issue to not have all that pressure to be the guy, even though Haynes probably wants to be the guy with gross bottles. Like where do you see it for him right now with Houston stepping in here? And does it feel like he's still like in that tenuous roster position of whether he's going to make it, whether he's not. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that he is in a position where he wouldn't make the roster. I think you look at who, uh, I, I think they would probably keep five of that outside linebacker spot, and uh, and he would probably be the fifth. I mean, they're okay. they're not going to cut DJ Johnson. Uh, obviously, they no. just brought in Justin Houston. Marquise Haynes has been arguably their second best edge rusher. I mean, not arguably, he has been their he second is. best edge rusher. Uh, is and has been. I mean. You you look at a lot of people. They they say that Marquise Haynes doesn't have it, but I mean this guy had uh, has had a pretty prolific for a second for a second tier pass rusher. Um, you know he had eight sacks the past two years. That's as many as Etor Grossmatos had in his, in his three year career. So it's like he <laughs> it, it's it's YGM can say the fans want a new edge rusher. They say I'm not good enough, but ultimately like he he hasn't been good enough. They drafted him in the, with the first pick, of the second round, yeah. in order to be a uh, to to be a guy that was going to make an impact, and he just hasn't. Eight eight sacks in in three seasons is not enough. So um, as for you to have a lockdown spot as your uh, as the secondary pass rusher, so I think yes, they had to bring in a new edge rusher to uh, to even just to occupy blockers opposite Brian Burns, so the entire shift the entire offensive line can't shift to one side whenever Brian is out there. My mm -hmm. big fear would be that. Um, you really, uh, you really show what your plan is on defense when Justin Houston versus DJ Johnson is out there. Cause I think they drafted DJ Johnson, um, 
we can debate whether or not that was a good decision to trade up for him. Uh, I don't think it was, but whatever. We're all saying it's bad, Josh. Most people I've talked to are saying it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. (laughs) Um, And he is more of an edge setter than an edge rusher. And so in my mind, if I am an opposing defense, I see DJ Johnson out there, I'm checking to a pass. And if I'm, and if I'm an opposing offense and I see Justin Houston out there, I'm checking to a run. Like that's, I mean, obviously you can't do that all the time when it's third and long, you put in Justin Houston back out there and let him pin back his ears and run for the quarterback. But you, you can't do that all the time. That's not how defenses work. And I think that Evero has a, uh, will be able to disguise a lot of that stuff and make a lot of moves, but I, I am, I will be interested to see how they deploy these, these outside linebackers opposite of Brian Burns so that you don't get into a situation where DJ Johnson is out there to defend the run. Uh, and Marquise Haynes and Justin Houston are out there to rush the passer. Yeah, and also bringing in Houston, like say something like happens where like he goes down, like Haynes can come in, like your depth's a lot better than it w- was For before. Sure. And and I hate to be critical like of draft picks because it's always you know we get the draft time to do draft days. Like, I, you don't know until you actually see him play. I think my of biggest course. issue, and it might be yours too, is like he's going to be twenty five. Like that's just mm-hmm. football age. That's just too old to bring bringing in somebody who's as green as DJ Johnson is now, maybe he turns out to be a great player, but just looking at that factor where by time it's time for him to get paid, he's damn near 30. That's just is uh, something that's tough for me to kind of wrap my, my head around. Um, Brandon Smith, a PR staff, as you said, waved it in front of Frank Reich said, Hey, you're uh, your fourth string linebacker right now. Uh, kind of jives in a way you got, you brought in Deion Jones, uh, Kamu Gray Hills apparently been like one of the MVPs of camp so far, if not the MVP, of course, Frankie, he's, was excellent last year. He's still in that starting role. You got Shaq Thompson. Then a guy like Chandler Wooten was a special teams player for you. And then there's other dudes who I don't don't think are going to make the roster. Like Bumper Poole right now doesn't look he's going to make the roster that are listed ahead of Brandon Smith. Like how much trouble is he in? I I mean, these, these late round picks that came from a, from a bygone era, I, I think are in a lot of trouble. And I don't think it's just Brandon Smith. I think Amari Barno falls into that category too. I think a lot of the stuff when you when you pay attention to what's going on during during training camp, you see who these guys are getting reps with. You see who they're warming up with. Uh, you know, Amari Barno was not warming up with the defensive end group. He's warming up with the special team group. So it's like, okay, so is he a special teamer? And I didn't really see him flash on special teams. So if he's not, there are certainly guys that have that are better on special teams than Amari Barno. So if he can't flash as an edge rusher, then then what's he gonna what's he gonna produce? So I'm not saying I'm not saying that these guys can't make the roster, and certainly there's still three more weeks for them to. There, you know, there there's always the Terrell Davis corollary of maybe they'll make big plays in the last week of the preseason and make it as a 53rd guy. But realistically, these were guys that uh, fit a different defensive scheme that fit Phil Snow's defensive scheme, and were probably drafted by a combination of Scott Fitter and Matt Rule. And ultimately with these late round guys, you tend to have uh, somebody pounding the table for them. And in my estimation, I don't think it was Fitter that was pounding the table for either Brandon Smith or Amari Barno. So I, I would not be surprised to see those guys go. And really, I talk about this all the time and I think we can get attached to draft picks and think to ourselves, well, this fifth rounder, man, this is the guy I've been hearing about him. I read a bunch of uh, biographies. These guys have like a 10% hit rate of, of not only being good, but making the roster. So uh, for for you to miss out on these fifth and sixth rounders, it happens. Yeah, and it's not overly concerning. I think Bar- Barno had a pretty good career at Virginia Tech. Like I thought he was a good player. Um, hopefully he can find a home somewhere else. Brandon Smith, 
the guy has the size. You talk about with Mingo. He's got everything you're looking for at that linebacker position. Five-star coming out of the state of Virginia. Goes to Penn State. Expectation is going to replace Mike Parsons. Didn't happen because he still has the size and traits, and the NFL just loves size and traits. He gets drafted by a coach who now is back in Nebraska eating um, cinnamon rolls and chili. So it hasn't worked out for him. Size and traits. Didn't do it in college. Hard to believe he's going to hack it here in the NFL. And that's part of the reason why I'm not a huge fan of DJ Johnson either. Um, but we'll talk about some of the injuries that the Panthers have and how concerning some of them should be, especially there at wide receiver and how that might change the numbers there heading into the official or the initial 53-man roster cutdown. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Lockdown Panthers. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers, Julian Council, Josh Klein at Josh Klein, rules editor-in-chief of The Right Report. Subscribe to their newsletter, by the way. Uh, really good. Always love to wake up in the morning and check that out before going to uh, work out. Actually, um, because we're doing this on Thursday Oh, morning, look at Josh, you. Go before I was, going to work out. I was, <laughs> I was scrambling, day. man. Oh, so impressive. I was scrambling to uh, to get ready for you because I, I was looking at my schedule today. As it's just so – it's gross outside, so that might change some of the things I wanted to do. But I look at my work schedule. It's like, damn, um, I got a lot going on. I don't think I'm going to be able to work get a workout unless I go in the morning before hanging out with you, which, I again, thank you so much. Um, completely lost my train of thought what I was actually trying to get to the point is here. But let's It's just chest work- day, man. I get it. You're like, you're super sore. Whatever. It was leg day. Oh, man. Never skip it. Never skip it. Uh, but yeah, either way, I always check that out in the morning, whenever it's up, this new le- the newsletter before going to get a workout in. That's my point. So go, you guys should do the same thing, whether you're going to work or whether you're just going right back to bed. Uh, check out their newsletter, which is excellent. And Josh yeah. Klein does a great job. And he's one of you. He's a fan, a native. I know maybe a lot of you guys probably aren't natives, but he's a fan of native and a all around good guy. That's why he has his Twitter name, Josh Klein Rules. So we can always say that to him. Um, Josh, let's get the injuries going on here in Carolina right now. Uh, Chandler Zavala, is he officially off pup? That's what I think I read. Uh, you know, I don't actually know. I, th- I know that he was kind of participating uh, in at least in part, but I am not 100% sure whether he is off pup. Uh, yeah, so, he was. Okay, cool. So he's officially off pup, which is great, especially for the Panthers trying to figure out what they're going to do at right guard. Austin Corbett, I know, was out there on Wednesday working out to the side. He's still on pup with that ACL injury. He was talking to the media, I believe, on Sunday, and he was saying how he's about seven months, and you know, he's still working his way back. And Scott Fitter did say when camp opened up that it would be close. I would bet because it happened in January, and he's a big guy, that he's going to need a little bit more time 
before he gets back. So I, I would really be waiting until like week six or eight before I would expect Austin Corbett to really fully, fully be back for the Panthers. Um, he's going to probably miss at least the first four weeks because of NFL rules. Um, Marquise Haynes dealing with that back issue. Good to have Justin Houston here. We'll see how long that's going to linger because it's now been about two weeks. And I don't know if you've hurt your back before, Josh, but I have. And that that's tough to come back from. So thoughts and prayers to him for sure. But I think the biggest one, aside from obviously Corbett, where right guard looks like it's going to be a concern, uh, is Demir Bird, uh, who Frank Wright said has suffered a pretty significant hamstring injury. Is expected to keep him out six to eight weeks. And for him to be on the roster and not be out for the season, the Panthers would have to all carry him on the 53-man roster, then put him on IR until he's ready to go. Um, is that expectation that they're going to do that? Was he supposed to be one of their five or six wide receivers, or was he still kind of is still up in the air? I think he was battling for that six wide receiver spot. Um, oh, uh, I would be surprised if they held him on the 53. Um, I would anticipate an announcement at some point that they placed him on IR preseason, and then he'll he'll just carry over onto the roster for next year um, while he recovers, or they may waive him with an injury designation. I, I think that, that would be the also, most fair thing to him. Probably. Um, but you, you just never know what these guys, whether they, you know, they, uh, Jameer Bird is a, is a good player. He practices hard. They may, they may just like him and want to see what they can do with him next year. But um, realistically, I think this opens up a spot for Shai Smith. Um, I think it opens up a spot for maybe even Derek Wright uh, that, that has been making a lot of plays, certainly in minicamp and, and at the beginning of training camp, not as much recently. But I think it, it, this was always a competition for this final wide receiver spot. And I don't think it was Demir Bird's job to lose. I think he was certainly in the lead. But uh, I think there was a lot of there was going to be some competition over the next three weeks. And just to go back to the Marquis Haynes stuff and and LaVisca Chenault mispracticed yesterday. And I know, yeah, uh, to me, I, I tend not to be as worried about these injuries that are in early August because these they hold these guys out for um, for for anything, realistically, yeah. like if they wake up and they're like, ah, you know what? I went a little bit too hard in the gym yesterday, like Julian does every morning. So I, I'm, uh, I, I need, and so they'll just hold them out because there's no point putting them out there. And yes, Marquise has missed a, a few, um, a few additional practices, but realistically there's so, there's such a huge difference between training camp practices and game practices and game prep. So I think that they know what Marquise Haynes can do. Obviously they want him to be able to be able to participate in these training camps, um, but we don't know. We don't get to see the walkthroughs. We don't get to see. Obviously, he's in the classroom for all of this stuff, which has, which is such a huge part of training camp. Uh, it's not just about the ninety minutes that that we see web between being out there as the media or uh, the fans on the hill. So mm-hmm. I, I think if if we get to September and Marquis Haynes is not still not practicing, then I would start to worry. But for me, I, I'm not worried about where Marquis Haynes is at. Lavisca Chanel, Nash Jensen, these other guys have missed, and Austin Corbett. One of the other guys that we've talked about missing the first six, eight, six or eight weeks. It's also one of when I talk to uh, um, it's a, a kind of a bad example, but Corn Elder, right? There's a corner here uh, a few years ago. He missed yeah. the entire year, right? Uh, and when I talked to him the next year, he was telling me that he basically couldn't backpedal until uh, week one. So, yes, he was able, he was active, like he was able to be on the roster, he was able to play in week six but he yeah. missed an entire off season and Austin Corbett has been able to uh, has been able to lift weights, but he hasn't been able to kick step has been able to move his knee basically for the past six months. So I, not only is he going to be somebody that comes back later on in the season, but I think you should 
we maybe should downgrade our expectations of where he's going to be um, physically. I mean, I'm, I have no expectations for the come for him to come back and to be this, the guy we saw last year. We don't get that Austin Corbett back until next season. And honestly, that's kind of why it was a curious decision to me when they decided that they were going to um, rework his restructure his deal. Cause that guarantees he's on the roster next season. Now, I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but a guy who's coming out who just had a significant knee injury and you already drafted a guy in Cade Mays who I guess has struggled so far, but someone who could potentially could fill that spot down the line. Then they go on and draft Chandler Zavala, who makes more sense at left guard, or then you could potentially could put Brady Christensen at right guard. It does make it a little bit curious seeing as you're going to miss really a, a good season at Austin Corbett here this upcoming year. So he'll be on the roster next year. Hopefully he gets back healthy. But once that injury happened in January, week 18, about the worst time an injury can happen, all expectations for him should have been, okay, well, maybe we get this guy back late in the season, but uh, you can't expect him to play at the same level last year where I think he graded out as the Panthers' best offensive lineman, according mm-hmm. to the nerds over at PFF. Um, so let's see. Eddie Pinheiro. Yeah, and I, I agree with you too. Like, I'm not overly concerned about some of these other guys. Like, Zavala is going to get him off pup. Haynes, the only thing, reason it concerns me because it's a back issue. And, you know, the back is just sure. something you can't mess that up, man. Um, Pinheiro, dealing with a groin injury. Year three of the Panthers feeling like they have a kicker. And then that kicker is, I guess, three years ago. They Well, was it 21? I guess they didn't have a kicker. We don't need to get into the whole Graham Gano stuff and whether they should have kept Buck or whatever. That's just something that doesn't even matter at this point in time. But last year, they felt like they had a kicker in Zane Gonzalez. He gets hurt. Then they bring in Andy Pinheiro. He turns out to be a good kicker. And now it looks like he's hurt. And they brought in this guy. His name is uh, Matthew Wright. It's not like he's not that great either. Because of yesterday, just what I read. So what's... The concern level there was Zane, was Zane, not Zane, but Eddie Pinheiro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, obviously leg issues with a kicker are not great, but again, no. I, I, I'm just loath to be, to freak out about it uh, in, in August. There's still a month. So yeah. in, if he comes back in three weeks, that's still three weeks is a long time in football world that's still two weeks before the season even starts. So again, if we get to September and Eddie P is still not cooked, is still not kicking. I think they're going to start looking at somebody for real. I think Matthew, Wright. I mean, they gave him the same number as another player. That's never a good sign. So uh, just, (laughs) yeah, he's, he's number 11. And I, and so is um, CJ Saunders. So not that CJ Saunders is like an unassailable uh, figure on that Panthers team, but it's still the same number. Like they could have given him a number that didn't already exist, but they were just like, no, 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 you'll be, you're 11. Good luck. Well, CJ Saunders, Matt rule favorite probably is uh, not long for here in Carolina anyways. So yeah. And I guess I did read that. It sounded like it was more, he might not be able to kick this weekend. So let's bring in a kicker. Cause they have to have a kicker right. in order to play a football game. Um, you know, and they wanted that. to have, they wanted to do special teams reps against the jets too. Yeah. So, it, you know, you need a kicker. Yeah, need, need a kicker, need a practice. So that's what's really more important. And hopefully it won't be serious with Eddie Pinheiro because I don't want to be another season trying to wonder whether you have a kicker. And I don't know if the Panthers can strike luck three years in a row by getting somebody after a practice squad and him coming in and being one of the best kickers in the NFL that season. But he's Josh Klein of the Riot Report, editor-in-chief. Follow him on Twitter, at Josh Klein. Rules, because he does rule. And he does a great job with the newsletter. And he's just all-around good guy, Panthers fan like you, and covers the team, does a great job, and a friend of the show. Josh, thank you, as always, for joining us here on the show on this beautiful rainy morning here in Charlotte. Yeah, before you before you kick me out, uh, if, if Oh, yes, please tell me what's going on. Show, 
I got yeah. some plugs. I have some plugs. Uh, if before, uh, if, if anybody that's listening to this show is not familiar with the Roaring Riot, uh, the Roaring Riot is uh, a huge part of this Panthers fan community. We uh, attend almost every away game. We have hundreds of fans that travel with us. We have a tailgate a block from the stadium that has uh, over a thousand people. Monday Night Football tailgate is going to be insane. We've got a band. We've got all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, make sure you sign up. Go to RoaringRiot.com for that. We've also, um, one of the things that we have been kicking around in the Roaring Riot for the past few years is a uh, is a Panthers and music festival to kick off the season. And uh, during the Matt Rule era, it didn't really make a lot of sense. But right now, we have Bryce Young. It's a brand new era for Panthers fans. So we've decided to launch the inaugural first annual Roaring Riot kickoff jam. It's on Saturday, September 16th, two days before that Monday night home opener against the Saints. We've got big name bands. We've got Better Than Ezra. We've got Arrested Development are going to be out there. Uh, we've got Panther legends, Thomas Davis, Charles Davis, Charles, Charles Johnson, Stephen Davis, Mike Tolbert, other guys are going to be out there signing autographs. Uh, we've got some like, you can kick field goals. We're going to have some uh, Panthers fan talk stage where the interviews are going to happen, some live stuff. So I, I think if you are a fan of the Panthers, a fan of live music, a fan of cool events where you can hang out with your friends and, and make some memories, uh, go to kickoffjam.com and, uh, and check it out because I think Everybody will have a great time at a uh, Nota Brewing on September 16th for the Roaring Riot kickoff jam. That sounds awesome. Love that. Love what you guys are doing, man. Uh, allowing Panther fans to have a community and then having an event like that. That's super sick. So follow me again on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. Check out the Roaring Riot. Even if you don't even live in the Carolinas, they got chapters nationwide. So I remember I Absolutely. was in Nashville for a period of time. Uh, Harrison Hope, I think it was the guy who um, was mm-hmm. the guy who ran it, run it down there. He listens to the show. So you can go live in Denver, Colorado, like you used to, and go check out. Mile high cats. You can live all over the place in the United States and maybe even Europe. I don't know if they even have chapters in Europe right now, but they should. And it London, we definitely do. German ride is huge. So if you're if you're a if you're a European ride, if you're a, a Brazilian Panther fan and you're listening, if you're in Monterey, Mexico, we got chapters. So uh, check us out, RoaringRide.com. Love it, love it. Appreciate you again, Josh, and all your insight, and of course for ruling. He's Josh Klein. I'm going to go hit the gym. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. We're going to wrap up the show here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. All right. Big thanks to Josh Klein for joining the show here on Locked On Panthers. All around, good guy. Does a great job with the Roaring Riot, with the Riot Report, covering this team, and giving some pretty good insight on what's going on. And I guess he did bring up some uh, pretty good points about injuries. Maybe not overly concerned about that since we're entering into preseason game number one still a long time before Tommy's leather what september 10th is that the first game of the season so we're still a ways away 30 days away from that happening so we'll get to that soon enough but there are some that i am a little bit concerned about just because hey back knee not great and in unofficial depth chart there are some things that point to it being real and other things that point to it being like yeah maybe not big that big of a deal so great stuff from josh following again on twitter at josh klein rules that's going to wrap up this edition of the lockdown panthers podcast part of the lockdown podcast network hosted by yours truly julian counts again y'all make sure to subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and be sure to follow me julian council on twitter at julian council where on Friday, I'll be back once again to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me. Get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Friday. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 